Okay, everybody, welcome to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast, and we've got everybody that you would hope for to be here. Uh, and we're going to look back at uh, the game at uh, St. Mary's, and Colin and, uh, and Bernard were both there, jo- enjoyed a little pint together, I, I-, I hear, and um, I let's, welcome- nice. <laughs> Let- let's welcome the guys to the pod. So first of all, in order of seniority, Colin Savage. Colin Savage, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I, I, even better. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of slumming it here because not that long ago I was having a conversation with one Peter Barnes, of, oh, hey. uh, formerly of this parish, of course. And uh, so, but you know, I, I, I still remember my humble origins. Yeah. Well, we've also got your pal from St Mary's, the recent visit, Bernard. Bernard, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm just a bit gutted that I, I think Colin got to see Ricky Atten after he left me. Every time, every time he leaves me oh, yeah. to go, he meets someone well known, and I always miss out on it. I'm, I'm a bit, a bit, uh, a bit upset about that. But as for Peter Barnes, well, me and Peter Barnes yeah. have had uh, a couple of conversations over time, but certainly not in the last uh, few years. That's for sure. And well, he's the nicest, the nicest man in football, without any shadow of a doubt. Really, really is. But Bernard, if if you really, if you really want to get selfies with famous uh, city players. You need our, our our next guest, and that is uh, Ray. Ray's got me like piles of them um, with my mug stuck with uh, people like uh, Peter Barnes and Tony Book and Tommy Booth and uh, various Alex. other luminaries. So Alex. Ray knows exactly where to go. Um, and here is Ray. Ray, thank you very much for coming on. Oh, uh, very well. Uh, welcome. Uh, I've been told where to go many times. Um. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Ray? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm I'm almost champion. If we if we'd got three points at the weekend, I'd be champion. Um, the missus is away, so I'm slum. I'm slumming it with my lads. Slumming it with my lads. Uh, takeaways, chocolate crisps. You know that. You know the story. Well, 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 guys, we're we're here to talk about uh, Manchester City against uh, Southampton, or should it be the other way around? Southampton one, Manchester City one. Now you you'll remember, uh, listeners. Um, you don't get much change out of Southampton these days. Obviously, it was a nil-nil draw earlier that Eddie had earlier in the season. And uh, Southampton are very stingy on their own uh, ground. They're very difficult to beat. Uh, I think they're unbeaten there in the last eight games um, on their own ground. So it was always going to be you know, a tricky uh, challenge. But uh, still, I think most City supporters were, were hoping for a a comfortable win didn't turn out like that uh colin what did you what were your impressions in the first half first half uh we started off okay in the first few minutes but um we, we just never seemed quite to get going properly and of course we went a goal behind very early on seven uh, minutes yeah seven minutes yeah and and, and that came from uh, we, we we had a good break down the right kyle walker overlapped and and raheem sterling tried to play him in, but played the ball straight to a Southampton player, which was kind of the story of that half, I think, uh, and a number of incidents like that. And I'm not particularly picking on Sterling. I mean, he wasn't the only culprit. But Southampton then uh, worked the ball over to our left. Cal Walker-Peters went bombing down. Uh, Redmond picked up the ball. Cancelo was a, a little bit slow to go with him. Uh, Redmond played the ball back, and, and Carl Walker-Peters, which, which you wouldn't have expected, curled a, a fantastic shot. 
with the outside of his uh, boot past Edison. So um, that was a bit of a, you know, we're, we're the ones that normally go for the early goal, but we found ourselves with the boots on the other foot there. And, um, you know, we had a, a, a few times in that first half, it seemed like I mean, we, we, we we put the ball into decent areas, but no one was there. And that, you know, we talk about this, don't we? Would a would an out-and-out striker have um, been in those positions that we put the ball into? And, of course, um, you know, the one glaring moment of the second half, of the first half, from a City point of view, was uh, Raheem Sterling's miss. And um, uh, Phil Foden did really well to to break down the left uh, in the same bit, the same way that um, Redmond had broken down. Played a perfect ball, which evaded the Southampton defender. Sterling had the goal at his mercy uh, and just tapped it into um, Fraser Forster's body, legs. Uh, where you know he put it, puts it anywhere else. He you know he he takes that little, um, he opens his foot up a little bit. He lifts the ball. He gives it a bit more power, and that's a goal. Uh, and we won all. And I think it would have been a different game from there. But inexplicably, he he missed it. And uh, I, I kind of that summed up the first half for me. Um, I think the first two corners we had didn't clear the first man, uh, and we really don't think we were firing on all cylinders in that first half. Well, um, Bernard, um, Colin has queued you up with uh, two incidents to comment on, and also perhaps you could comment on the lineup as well. Which I was saying to Ray at, b- before the pod that, that um, I, apart from Grealish, um, particularly in that position, it was a, a pretty much Mike's dream dream lineup, um, uh, accepting um, Grealish, obviously. So, how did you feel about those two things yeah. and also the lineup? Yeah, I thought Jesus might get a goal because of his heroics uh, uh, about three seasons ago, was it? Three or four seasons ago. But uh, the thing is, guys, what, what, what I looked at the bench. I mean, the bench wasn't... I mean, there wasn't... Apart from Stones, who I, I play Stones every game, to be honest with you. I don't know what Stones has done wrong again because, to me, he's, he's, he's you know, at the end of the day, uh, we can't. I can't say too much, can I? Because, obviously, I would have had him on instead of Laporte and we might not have equalised if Laporte wasn't on the pitch. But uh, I was dead surprised Stones wasn't playing. And really off the bench, apart from another one, Gundogan's another guy who I thought might get a crack at it. He, he's sort of been put to one side as well. Uh, so it's an interesting team. It was certainly a, a capable team, but I, I must admit, uh, I was a bit surprised no Jesus, Gundogan or, or Stones, I would have perhaps gone with an option. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it should have been good enough, but there was no intensity, was the guys? I mean, you know, you think of the Chelsea game, the intensity, we had, you know, we just never got going, as, as uh, Colin said. There, I mean, was, uh, they had another goal. I think they had another. T- I mean, they had another goal that was just offside, which was offside. But at the time, we didn't know in the ground. I thought, oh god, it was two 0 And they had that one where um, Edison did his usual run out and fouled the player. And fortunately, the, the liner had his flag up, so that was another one. I think that was the first half as well. So it could have been, it could have been two or three down. We just we just didn't get going. And I say whether it would have made any difference, Jesus on the pitch. I'm not too sure. He did he did improve things when it came on, but. Uh, no, I was just a bit disappointed with we I thought Southampton were excellent. You know, they put bodies there, they put the, the banks of four and they sort of tried to play they played two up front, so they were brave and we've used that word a couple of times. Uh, certainly with Tuchel. I, I didn't think Tuchel was brave enough the other week. But uh, yeah, Hasn Hull was certainly brave with that lineup. Uh, we should have been good enough, but we just weren't. We just weren't at it that that first uh, certainly first thirty five minutes or so. Yeah, let's have your fifty pence rate. Um well, I'd, I'd have, I would have, I'd have had John Stones. I mean, I think what's happened is last season, Laporte 
uh, I think it was in, did he miss a, game, a couple of games from injury? John Stones came in. He was great. Laporte couldn't get a look in after that. And this season, it's been the other way around. Um, for me, Laporte's, I think, uh, sorry, Stones, he's a better player. Uh, he's more consistent. Uh, and maybe maybe they wouldn't have scored that goal if Stones was on the pitch and we wouldn't have needed Laporte's equaliser. Um, but I, I want to know what Gundogan's done because I think in the last six games, he's been on the bench five times, something mm-hmm. like that. And I don't know. I think he might not be as potentially exciting as Jack Grealish, but I think he gives you the control you need that Jack Grealish is offering because um, Grealish just holds on to the ball. And, uh, but the difference is Gundogan releases it more often than not at a better time. He, he releases it early when he needs to. Uh, and, and for me, the best midfield attacking midfield partnership we had last season was Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. Uh, so for me, I'd, I'd have uh, played KDB up as a false nine. I, I don't know what Gundogan's done to to be relegated to, to the subs bench for such a long period of time. Um, and I don't know what Gabriel Jesus has done because when he started the season, he was on fire. You know, he's, he's playing on, out wide on the right, putting crosses in uh, and getting assists and, and looking really dangerous. Uh, and so I, I don't know if Pep... I mean, Pep, had, I think I said last time, Pep went through a lot of the season without Mahrez and Sterling and because they'd underperformed, he brought them back and they suddenly were wonderful. And maybe um, it was time to give somebody a rest. Uh, I'm not saying give Sterling a rest, but and bring somebody back like Gundogan because Gundogan would have been so eager to show what he could do. He'd been missing so many games. I, I just And same with Gabriel Jesus. So I, I didn't understand that uh, that starting lineup. I, I um, talked to... Uh, a little bit about some of the mistakes. I mean, Sterling made some mistakes. And for all the good stuff he's been doing recently, he still has that. You know, their their, their goal came from, uh, it's, their attack started just outside their box when Sterling did a woeful pass to, to Walker that was under hit. They came through. Look, Carl uh, Walker-Peter scored a fabulous goal. He, he took it so quickly. Uh, Edison, I think, was unsighted and it was past him before he'd moved. It has to be noted that Ford and let him go. Foden just let him wander off into the box. I don't know what, whether Foden has to, uh, the players have to have stay in their certain areas on the pitch, their certain zones, and he wasn't allowed to go back. And, you know, it was somebody else's job to mark it, to go with him because it was their zone on the pitch. I don't know about that, but, you know, I'd have liked, if, if, if Foden had gone back with him, he doesn't score that goal. It's as simple as that. Um, and then you know, Collins talked about the Sterling miss, and it was, really is frustrating because um, it's a hit and for me, it's a hit and hope shot. He, you know, the ball comes across. He's very slow, very ponderous, and he hits and hopes it. So he, you know, and I've, I've talked in the past about a player that's left us now, um, Ferran Torres. Torres there would have been looking to put that ball past the keeper. He would have passed it past the keeper rather than just be content with hitting it on target, and which is what Sterling did. He was content just to get it on target. Uh, that's not good enough. You've got to have a better killer instinct. You've got to want to score the goal, not just hit it on target. Hitting it on target isn't good enough at this level. And there was another moment from Sterling, which I don't think anyone's mentioned yet. Um, there's a pass from KDB out wide to Bernardo. We did that usual thing from City where we have a player just inside the uh, fullback who goes on the underlap uh, and Bernardo can just put it down the wing and uh, uh, pass it to Sterling. Sterling got near the the, um, 
the byline and he cut inside the, the, the defender onto his left foot and he curled it, a, a, a decent shot, but it wasn't on target. That's one way you've got to hit the target. He, and he curled it just over and wide. But from where he was, I'm sorry, you know, I keep saying this, but we've got to be more clinical. That should have been the minimum from where he was inside the box. He has to hit the target. If he hits anywhere near the corner uh, of the goal, it's a goal. The goalie was never getting there. Um, so we had these moments, these opportunities, but we just didn't um, take anything. And, 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 and Bernard's mentioned the broader chance. That was offside, but only just. It wasn't by much. And actually, if Broger had timed his run slightly better, if he'd held off just for a fraction of a second, he'd have been through. He rounds the keeper and scores. You're 2-0 down. Very hard to come back. So that first half was, it was disappointing from, you know, there was that lack of urgency. We were just strolling around, which I have to admit, we do in most games and we, we win most games. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. But... I want a bit more urgency, when, especially when we're behind. I want that urgency for us to put pressure, uh, concerted pressure on other teams and to be a little bit more clinical. Well, uh, Colin Savage, um, it, it was a bit disappointing that it was actually 38 minutes before City actually had uh, a strike at goal, and that was with the Sterling one. And um, I know that um, just coming into this game, because it's against Southampton, uh, people cast their minds back to that amazing goal by Georgie Kinkladze against them. <laughs> and uh, and uh, sometimes I think, I don't know if you agree, Colin, that uh, Raheem needs to, to take uh, lessons from uh, Kinkladze in how to dink the ball. It seems like the dink has gone out of uh, Raheem's game a bit, if it, if it was ever there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think Raheem needs to take lessons from Sean Gota. Uh, just get the ball in the net, however you do it. Uh, it's so frustrating, but I mean, he wasn't the only culprit. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that it was very. Uh, as, as Bernard said, as I said, we just weren't at the races in that first half, but we still could have gone in uh, level, which would have been, a, I think, a different game in the second half. Bernard, uh, let's just uh, take a, a little pause for a second and uh, ask you, uh, where would the King Classic goal feature in your all-time top? Um, city goals, and were you actually there at that game? Uh, I, was, yeah, I, wasn't, I can't remember where I, I sat because I was sitting all over the place at that stage, but uh, yeah, um, um, yeah, I blame the Southampton defence, I thought they were quite rubbish, I thought they should have tackled him far, far further down the field, he should have been allowed to do that, to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, I mean. You know, it's, if, if you like, I think King Cladzi now. I mean, I know he's put a bit of weight on now, aren't you guys? I think now the recent pictures I've oh, seen of yeah. it. Oh yeah. Um, but I think he'd still teach, uh, teach Sterling perhaps how to do so. Perhaps she'll bring him back and uh, get him to do that. As I said, uh, yeah, it's up there, mate, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you know, he put me on the spot there, but uh, yeah, for. Uh, it's always played back, isn't it? If you, if you get a goal that's always continually played back on TV, then you, then you know you know it's something special. But uh, yeah, you just wait for the goalie to commit himself. That's the thing, isn't it? And the thing with Sterling is, I mean, 
if you look at it, I mean, obviously, the, you're told, aren't you, like when you head a ball, you head the ball back the way it's come, don't you, when, when you get in that position. Obviously, with a, with a, with a strike with your foot, uh, normally the same rules would apply, but you, you'd just be a bit more calm. And we know Sterling, if he, if he gets more than five seconds to think about it, he usually messes it up. That's the problem. And, uh, yeah, uh, get, get kinky back now. He'll probably still teach him a, a few things now. Yeah, um, Ray, Ray, let's uh, test your memory a little bit here. Um, so we went in 1-0 down at half-time. How many times have City been down at half-time uh, in away Premier League game, games this season? And, uh, and if you can, possibly remember who we were down to. Blimey. We <laughs> lost to Spurs, so, uh, but I... Th- I'm trying to think if off the top of my head did they score in the second half? Um, who else could we have been down to? It's a, there's, there's, uh, I'll help you with the first part. It's, it's only ever happened once before. Yeah, I, I figured that because we've won most games without conceding. Um, let me think. This season, this season, yeah, this season. Ah. Right. Let, let look. So we lost to Spurs. That was the opening game of the season. So I'm guessing since you haven't said, oh, it's Spurs. It wasn't them. It's Arsenal. Uh, Yep. Oh, got me. <laughs> Tell us about that one. Well, we were losing yeah. at our time. We, we won oh, in the second half. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that long ago. Quite simple. Quite simple, really. Um, anyway, we were down by a goal at uh, halftime. Um, Colin came back out in the second half. Did you feel an equaliser was coming? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we, we looked a completely different side in the second half. Oh, well, uh, yeah, we looked completely different side in the second half. Uh, and Southampton absolutely had their backs to the wall. Um, and it, it was great because I'm sure Bernard will agree. St Mary's is a very small, very compact stadium. There's, there's only one level. Um, um, you know, so so it's if you imagine the Etihad with just one level and the noise was just, I thought the noise, the atmosphere was just incredible inside the stadium. And, um, you know, we looked as though we were going to, um, we looked as though we were going to win it. And, of course, um, we scored, at, well, it took us 20 minutes into the half to, to score. And that was, um, I, I guess, what you call a fairly unusual route for us. It was a, a, a perfectly weighted free kick from Kevin De Bruyne onto the head of uh, Laporte, uh, who was onside and a uh, fairly easy header to, to equalise. I don't think we'd had many chances before that. I, I don't recall many chances before that, but I've not really watched the full game back. But after that, it was kind of... Sorry, with that shot. Yeah. Sorry? Rodrigue raised the bar with that shot, the, the bar and oh, then the back yeah, shot. It, it went just over the bar, didn't it? Grazed the top yeah. of the net. Um, but some of our shooting wasn't quite as good as it should have been. Uh, I think, And Ray made, made this point. It wasn't just Sterling. There were shots flying all over the place. But uh, when that goal went in, you thought that you yeah, was convinced we were going to win that game uh, because Bernard and I had been talking before the game and we said uh, score predictions, but I think we both said 2-1 to City. And it looked as though that goal was going to have to come, but somehow it didn't. And, and um, again, there were a number of op- opportunities, the, the best of which was, uh, well, a KDB's long-distance shot hit the bar, hit the post. Uh, Gabriel Jesus had a header from a tight angle, which, which uh, hit the post. Um, and of course, there was the, the penalty claim. Um, and 
it looked like it at the time in, in kind of real time live being there at the match. It looked like a penalty. Uh, it went to VAR, and I thought, well, they must give it because the only reason the ref hasn't given it because he doesn't think it's a foul. But then the, the decision came up; it was it was a foul, but outside the area. But I watched it back earlier, and KDB was in the area. The, the Southampton player's foot was in the area. That was a penalty, no doubt about it. Mind you, who'd have taken it? I don't know because. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's 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 move over to Bernard because I've just received a a direct message. Um, from a certain French def- uh, French defender that uh, uh, plays for for us, saying uh, Bernard, stop calling me Laporte. My name is Laporte. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's come over to Bernard. Bernard, um, if I call you Laporte, it's Laporte, mate. You can please yourself. <laughs> you're 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 you're, you're ungovernable. That's what you are, Bernard. Um, so anyway, um, Southampton made three substitutions, and Pep was um, as usual. You know, he only made uh, one. Uh, it was an important one, though, uh, Bernard, on the 60th minute, obviously, quite er- reasonably early on in the second half, but took off the aforementioned Mr. Sterling, put on Gabby J. Do you, fe- do you feel that that made a big difference? Well, I mean, that came five minutes before the goal. Obviously, it didn't make any difference as far as the free kick was concerned. But what annoys me about Pep, I mean, you know, Stead on 60 minutes all the time. I mean, for a, for a lead for a genius like he is, he's so predictable. I mean, you know, I, I think most of us would have had Jesus on at half time, let's be honest about it. But we know Pep doesn't do that. He's such so annoying. He really is annoying. Dead on 60 minutes. And I think we did look uh, certainly look live. I mean, Jesus was falling over a bit, but he was he was already winding the Southampton players up down that right hand side. But as you say, you know, I don't remember how we got the free kick, uh, whether he was involved or not. Not hundred percent sure, but it was certainly on the right hand side where where he was. But uh, yeah, just an interesting thing Cole said about about the the second half. We, we actually Edison made quite a good save, you know, very early doors to keep it to one nil. Uh, bet is it bet Bedenek, is it or whatever it's called that that guy he had a little back header and Edison just sort of uh, managed to, to sort of palm it out. Uh, it could have been two nil, and then there was a Laporte Laporte Laporte. The Laporte oh, we've done it. We've got him to change. Okay. <laughs> the tackle. I don't want to upset him. I mean, I'll, I'll get John Stones on to move his starts. Anyway, he's, he's, he should be our centre half. But uh, he had that great sort, and I thought he was going to foul. He was either going to do a fantastic tackle or it was going to be a penalty. And it, it literally, it was a fantastic block, wasn't it, by Laporte? So that was that was like, with, I, said, I, said, I said it again there. That was in about eight minutes of the second half. But like Colin said, what once that we once we got through that, yeah, we totally we totally battered him. But uh, Jesus, no Jesus for me. Should have been on at half time, but because uh, he did make a difference in that second half. But we know what Pep's like. He, he's not going to do that. He's not going to change his plan, a, is he? Because obviously he waits for 60 minutes and uh, Mr. Predictability himself. But uh, it's such a shame. Perhaps if we brought Jesus on at half time, it, it might have just made that uh, quicker difference to us. Um, Ray, do you, do you feel that, um, you know, obviously this was a free kick and, uh, and, and, and not a corner that led to Laporte's goal, but um, you feel that we're getting more than our fair share of uh, aerial goals uh, this season from headers. Maybe this season and maybe a bit of last season as well, that we're doing that a bit better than we were before. I think we've done all right, but still far too often. We do a short corner routine, that's fine. But when we put long corners in, far too often we're still not beating the first man. I think we're doing better than we have done in the past, but... 
still, you know, you'd expect someone like KDB to be regularly beat in the first man. That's that's a bit of a disappointment. But look, we've got a fair few goals this season from from free kicks and, and headers and stuff. So, you know, you you take all of them, and, and you sh- we should be. In, in, you know, honestly, for the number of corners that we get, we should actually should be scoring more goals with the with the people the height we've got in Diaz and Stones and Laporte uh, and one or two others. We should be scoring a lot more, I think. You know, I I'm not sure how much work we do on 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 them. You know, other teams teams uh, that rely on dead ball situations. If you feel that they do a lot more work and. They've got different routines and, and they're scoring more goals than us uh, proportionally to their their, their, their corner. So you know, I'd like more from, as I said, from the, from the number of um, opportunities opportunities we get. I think we, we just need to take more. Yeah, if only we had a six foot four inch blonde haired Norwegian, Norwegian that looks a bit like Ivan Drago, it might help a little bit. But we, we're not going to wax on too much about this. Uh, Colin... Uh, the woodwork took a bit of a battering in that second half. Did you not think? Yeah, I say the KDB shot. Um, you know, I, 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 again, I, he's nowhere near his best. Kevin De Bruyne, some of his set pieces are absolutely dreadful. As I, the first two corners failed to clear the first man. But you, you will always get one moment, one or two moments of quality from him, uh, and that, uh, as I gave, gave the woodwork a battering. Uh, the Gabriel Jesus one, I thought he did well to get it. Um, to get it on target, uh, it was very tight, and, and Forster was covering it. Um, but uh, you know, they just—I uh, said before—some of our finishing wasn't quite. Uh, even leaving the Sterling one aside in the first half, we we were a bit um, high and wild with 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 some of the shots, and uh, it was disappointing. Another thing that disappointed me slightly was, I say, uh, Southampton were under the cosh, uh, and then one of the players went down injured, and it kind of calmed things down a little bit for them, and they never quite looked quite in the same danger after that it was close to close to the end of the match but we were going forward a lot and Bernardo I think was the worst culprit for this we we'd kind of we'd, we'd have players out wide Bernardo would get the ball there'd be space inside because all the Southampton defenders were pulled out covering a couple of players and Bernardo would turn outside and, and play us into a cul-de-sac instead of just turning the other way and, and kind of switching the, the focus of the attack. And a number of times we did that, where we, 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 we tried to play it down the, the flanks when Southampton had us covered, when there was a, quite a lot of space um, in the middle, inside. So um, that irritated me slightly. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, we couldn't, should have won it in that second half. We, say we, should, we should have had a penalty, which we probably missed anyway. So, um, but yeah, it was... But, it, it, the second half was much more exciting than the first half, certainly for a, as, from a fan point of view. And I'm sure yeah, it was on TV. And the, as I said, the atmosphere was just brilliant from kind of the start of the second half and certainly the goal to uh, the final whistle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard, any other notable uh, instances or observations about that second half? Yeah, I think I think the VAR problems uh, actually did ruin the flow of the game. I think it's been mentioned, hasn't it? I think those two two VAR checks with the studs down the port's uh, leg is nicely waxed legs. Can I say it wasn't this, uh, the legs I saw on social media? I thought it was, it was his wife had uh, sort of turned up for him or something. They lovely, lovely and waxed from what I saw. But uh, I think the VAR things, I think they, they ruined the flow of it. Like Carl said, there we were sort of hitting full steam. We weren't doing much with it. But obviously, and the KDB one, for instance, the play continued for about another minute, minute and a half, and then it was stopped, and it just sort of ruined the flow. Because 
because I don't think we had any real chances from about the 80th minute onwards. And we had six minutes injury time. So there was like 16 minutes where we just lacked any real penetration or any sort of up and unders or anything like that. It just wasn't any any real, uh, you know, look as though we're going to score. I think I think on the 80th minute, I was sort of uh, inclined to think it's going to stay 1-1 this because you just couldn't see City scoring a goal, unfortunately. Southampton were... Defending very well. Uh, there was no. There was no, my little point was ball boys and the fact there's no no one getting the balls. The City players were running around getting the balls to give back to the Southampton players because there's no one to collect the balls. There was no sort of balls out. They had one ball. They had one ball to play with, and that was it. There's no spare balls anywhere. They just had the one they were playing with. And there was a quite funny bit where uh, KDB was taking a corner in about the 88th minute, something like that, and he couldn't he couldn't find the ball. And the uh, Southampton fans were pointing in a different direction to where the ball was, and KDB's looking around him. Where's the ball? And the Southampton fans are pointing up the pitch the total wrong way, and he's looking for it. And obviously the City, but it's over there, it's over there, Kev. Like, but, you know, silly little things like that where Southampton got it spot on. Uh, they were happy with the draw. Uh, tactically, they, they were spot on. And time wait, you have Forster in goal, who's a, he's he's a he's the master at wasting time. Let's be honest about it. Forster, the keeper, and as I say, the the ball they weren't in any rush to get the ball back. So City players were literally fagging the ball every time it went out, and to take back to Southampton so they could take goal kicks and throw-ins because Southampton weren't going to bother. Uh, they were happy with the draw, so that that was annoyed that annoyed me perhaps more than the VAR. But uh, yeah, the, the VAR just disrupted it, and so we didn't really look as though we were going to nick the three points, certainly for that last 15, 16 minutes of the game. Uh, Ray, just before we uh, came on the pod, uh, we were talking a little bit uh, about uh, Jack Grealish and uh, you mentioned um, something about a little set-to uh, between him and uh, Romeo. Perhaps you could talk about that and also maybe about about Jack Grealish in general. Um, well, I, I don't know too much about that. I just read a headline where, uh, very puzzling, but Jack Grealish was waiting in the tunnel for Oriol uh, Oreo uh, Romeo, which is uh, you know a little bit strange. Um, doesn't seem like the best idea. I, I don't think so. <laughs> Romeo doesn't strike me as a as a, as a guy uh, you want to meet in a dark alley. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure they just want to swap shirts. That, that, <laughs> that must be it. That must be it. You know, share some pleasantries or something. I think um, we were stood behind uh, stones in the tunnel when he when he said that. I think he was stood behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that does that. You know, I, I think Grealish just gets miffed when he gets fouled a, a lot. You know, even even a, even a little. You know, I think sometimes when you 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 breathe in Grealish's direction, if you've been having garlic, he'll collapse. You know, and and, and claim a foul or something. So he goes down very easily. Our Jack. Um, I think for me, he's not. He's not. You know, the, I think um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, Mike Mine or Mine Mine. Uh, you say Mini, I say Mine. Uh, I think he said you got to wait till next season and it's uh, to see what Jack's all about because people are getting on his back. You know, hundred million pound player, blah blah blah. And as we've said it so many times over the years, with Pep, you, hardly anybody walks in, hits the ground running. Laporte, even when he came, and he came in in January. Um, he only played eight league games under Pep that for the remainder of that that season. The only person I can think that's coming and hit the ground running is Ruben Diaz. You know, Bernardo took time. Um, who else? Every, almost every Mares took time. You know, everybody's taken time to to fit in. Rodri's taken time. Cancelo's taken time. Everybody takes time. 
Um, maybe Walker hit the ground running when he came as well. So everybody takes a little bit of time to, to acclimatise. To so, you know, I'm looking at Jack Grealish for next season. But what I don't want, so what I, what I want is maybe put Jack Grealish more on the bench, save him for next season and, and put Gundogan on. I don't know what Gundogan's done not to uh, play games. Um, you know, that's who I, I, I'd be playing. And, and oh, I just want to mention about that VAR. Um, Bernard's mentioned a little bit already about, you know, the, the, the KDB one. Why would... Why, I don't understand why VAR, the, the assistant ref, was looking at that for so long, two minutes after the incident. You know, he should have made his mind up within 30 seconds of the incident actually happening. Make your mind up and immediately, when the ball goes out of play, tell the ref to go and have a look. It shouldn't be taking more time. You just, as, as Bernard said, it slows the, the flow of the game down. It slows our impetus. Um, and Armstrong... I think it was Armstrong who raked um, down the thigh of uh, Laporte. And at the time, I thought he's not really hit, you know, he's not really thumped into him. His studs were high. I was thinking an orange card, but, you know, you look at the damage done to Laporte, and you shouldn't look at the damage done. You should look at the incident. You know, people saying, look, look what how, how badly da- um, hurt he is on his, you know, the marks on his studs down his uh, thigh. The guy should have been sent off. I'm still 50 50. I'm more that. Uh, I'm more inclined to feel he should have been sent off than stayed on. But it's another one that VAR took a long time to decide about that. You've got to be making decisions within 30 seconds. If you can't, my opinion is if you can't make a decision within 30 seconds of looking at the incident, then it's not a clear and obvious error. If you're fighting to make, you know, look at the way they do it with Liverpool. They can make a decision like that, you know, for a Liverpool penalty. Yeah, we'll do it without looking at VAR. And stuff like that. So they they make those. I don't understand how they can make those decisions so quickly and help help those cheating Reds. That's all it is. Those cheating Reds. It helps them out. Um, they can make them so quickly. And with City, it takes so long, and they still get the decision wrong. Uh huh. Well, you did mention um, our our friends. Uh, you know, in uh, in Merseyside, uh, there, uh, Colin Savage. So. They obviously won 3-1, uh, I think it was, and um, Chelsea won 2-0. Title race back on them, Colin. Well, I mean, was it ever not on? I mean, it, you know, the media is so knee-jerk, reactive, and they'll churn out anything to, to get a click or, you know, uh, and it's quite annoying because obviously, you know, when we were, what, I don't know how many, 13 ahead or whatever it was, you only need to lose a couple of games and it's back on. And Liverpool still doesn't to get it hard. I mean, when we beat this when we beat Chelsea, I think Chelsea are probably out of it. I think it's fair to say Chelsea are going to catch us. But Liverpool were always potentially within reach. Um, and, and and basically now they're, they're what, um, 12 points behind. They've got two games in hand. They win those two games. They're six points behind. If they uh, beat us at the Etihad, they're three points behind, and then it comes down to to one game. Now, of course, they've got to win all those games, and they've got to win all the rest of the games. And but we've also got to win all the rest of the games. And um, you know, it, the, the media will never learn. I mean, City were, you know, eight points behind with a few games to play in 2012. Um, you know, we've seen Newcastle throw away a, a 12 point lead, which is, I think, the big. No one's ever thrown away a 13 point lead, apparently, but. Newcastle thrown away a 12-point league. I mean, how, how stupid can the media be? And all of a sudden, it's City dominating and, and City are boring and, 
and and, and it's bad for football that, that that City have won so many titles in the in the last few years, and that, now it's title race on. You know, <laughs> it, it's like it's like the goldfish. That it's like they've got the memories of goldfish. The media, you know, they forget what they say two minutes ago. Uh-huh. Well, let's um, let's test the knowledge of Mr. Bernard Denine. Um I'm not even going to insult the intelligence of Colin Savage and Ray because uh, they they found this question so easy that you know it was it was hardly worth asking. But um, oh, Warren, come on, we give you credit. Okay, uh, Bernard. Um, when was the last time a team won twelve games? On the or on the spin and didn't win the league. <laughs> didn't win the league. Yeah. Liverpool. Oh, I'll give you a clue. Can I give him a clue? Yeah. Is it a long Colin time? A, Colin had a season ticket then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> United. It's a good job we're not face to face, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> you did not right. admit. How long are we going back? Uh, a fair bit. Yeah, well, that's a lot of help, isn't it? I mean, you know, a fair bit. Yeah, a long, long way, right? Uh, okay. well, Longer than I have been alive, despite what our friend. Top okay. six. Is it a top six team? No, let me give you uh, let me let me give you a hint as to the the team we're talking about. Here's a clue: they've won the league a couple of times. Uh huh. This team was managed at uh, managed by David Moyes before Everton. Oh, you give it too easy. It's too easy, that. Managed by David Moyes before Everton. I don't remember him managing anyone before Everton. Lancashire. And they're very proud. Preston. That's the team. Yeah, well done, Ali. There you go. I I knew that before you said proud. Sod off, sod off, Ray. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean, mean, this this is one of those... It's 1950s, was it? Sorry? 1950s, was it? (laughs) <laughs> a, a bit before that. It was, yeah, yeah, David Moyes wasn't there at the time. <laughs> just going to say David Moyes wasn't there, yeah, that's for sure. All right, okay, I think we'll let you... Just read your quiz questions. That is a, a, a long and drawn out uh, <laughs> to, to squeeze the answer where you're given like 40 clues. <laughs> it was uh, actually 1891-1892 season. Uh, I, remember, well, I remember it well, guys. Yeah, it was a good season, man. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, did, Liverpool, uh, did Liverpool cheat that season as well? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, guys, um, obviously not the best result for this, but we've got something to get excited about because we have sealed a new signing, Ray. Who is this? What do you know? What do you say? We are going to buy a kid from Argentina. He's been labelled the new Sergio Aguero. He's got a similar... Uh, Aguero trademark celebration for scoring the goal and the kid has been scoring lots and lots of goals um, so it's not often it's not often City buy players in January uh, last yep. one was if I'm right was Americ Laporte mm-hmm. um, but we're doing because it's South America it's not a straightforward deal there's going to be a loan back to his club so we're buying Julian Alvarez he's only 21 years old he played five times for Argentina, and uh, we're paying a fair bit of money for this kid. We're paying, depending on which report you want to read and believe, I think we're paying about 16 or 18 million quid, you know, thick end of 20 million quid for this kid up front. He is at River Plate at the moment. He will not be joining us in January, 
uh, you know, later this week, uh, which will disappoint a few Blues um, who want us to have a new striker. Um, he'll be joining at the earliest in the summer because he is going to be loaned back to play in the Copper Libertadores. And if his team River Plate get through to the next stage, he will stay on with them until November. And then he'll join City in November. And if you remember going back uh, a few years, it's similar to what Gabriel Jesus did. Um, he he We bought him, but he stayed with his club till, um, I think, November, December time. City can, they have a clause, I believe, that they can bring him back in, in the summer, but we'd have to pay an extra £1.2 million, which isn't a big deal. So, you know, hey, if we don't get Haaland, we've got Julian Alvarez. Uh, and I think, you know, that, that for, you know, maybe that puts to bed the fact that we're getting Haaland. We know we're not going to get him and we, we're going looking elsewhere. Um, you know, the, the thing about this kid, he's got a, a, a decent number of goals uh, recently. Uh, I think it's one in every two, something like that. Someone might know a bit more than me about uh, what he's done recently. Um, but I, th- I think it is one in every, about one in every two. Um, games. I'm just having a quick look. 22 goals in the last in 45 games last season. So he's he's done all right. The thing for me is the money that we're paying. I'm reading 18 million quid. We know City buy a ton of youngsters, loads of kids who a lot of them come to Manchester, spend two or three years here, and then they'll disappear. You know, you've seen um, a few players who have done that. Brahim Diaz. Um, he he did die, couldn't make it. We saw Eric Garcia, who's moved on. Some players hardly played in the first team, like uh, Adrian Benabia. They'll come for two or three years, and then they don't make it, they'll leave. Others, we buy, and they never come to Manchester, and we just buy them to make money. And we, you know, there was a, a Turkish kid, Enis Unal, we bought him for about two million. He had a great season at, I think it was PSV Eindhoven. He's got a decent number of goals. We sold him on for 10 or 12 million quid. Uh, we made a good profit on him. So that's the City model. You might have heard the name Pablo Mari. He uh, at Arsenal, I think he's on loan at the moment. Well, we uh, we bought him. I think he was on a four-year contract with us. We sent him out on loan for three of those four years and then flunked him off in the last year of his contract. So we do that because it's just a money-making exercise. But when you're spending this sort of money, 80 million quid, it's not for me. We're not buying this kid to send him out on loan somewhere and then flog him and make money because there's not a lot of money you can make, I think, at that level. And if he's wonderful, <laughs> then you've been bringing him back. So, you know, for me, this this is a kid that we're getting who's going to be here, who's going to play for City um, and who we're looking uh, at the future, uh, at a very bright, promising future for this kid. Um, so I, I expect him to come in in the summer or November and be part of the first team. Um, and be here for 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 many years. Yeah, guys, I've I've seen the um, the, the various YouTube um, compilations, and what strikes you about him is very very similar to Aguero at the same age. He's got a very very powerful shot, very little backlift, and uh, what strikes you when you see all the goals? Quite a fair few of them are from really really tight angles, and some of them. Very reminiscent of that famous goal Aguero scored against Liverpool from that ridiculous angle out there on the right whenever he beat their American uh, goalkeeper at that time. But yeah, you're you're right, Ray. A lot of it, it, exciting times ahead, I think. Keiki is another one who's going to come good, I would feel. And then obviously you've got Cole Palmer, possibly uh, McAtee as well. But uh, uh, 
Ray mentioned players going out on loan, Colin Savage. Um, any updates on Patrick Roberts? <laughs> we've, we've actually sold him. Um, uh, we only needed to keep him for another three years for him to get a testimonial. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we sold him. Who did we sell him to? Um, Stoke was Sunderland. 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 Yeah, I thought it was Birmingham for some reason. So, um, um, well, good luck to the lad. I always thought he had a bit of talent. Uh, the, the rare occasions we saw him, he looked half decent, but uh, he never really got a chance. And, and it, you know, the death thing is, you know, seven years to, to be loaned out year after year. It must be really dispiriting, actually, um, for, for the player. And uh, you, you, you'd think we, we could make up our mind quicker whether to uh, whether we're going to keep someone or not. And, and, uh, uh, and these new UEFA uh, rules are coming into play, uh, I believe, that, that, that restrict you to um the number of loan players over 18 you can have on your books at any one time and i, I can't think about how you know while i'm naturally suspicious of anything uefa does you can't help but feel that that's a, a step in the right direction you shouldn't have that many players senior players on your books that you're loaning out is that a fifa thing colin or a uefa i, I, remember FIFA, a FIFA I think it's uefa isn't it but fifa are doing something about that yeah, I think it's UEFA. Yep. Um, Ray, did, did we get any money for Patrick Roberts? I think it was up to three million quid. Yeah, right. up to. Up to. We got, we got a fiver down payment, but it's up to three million quid. It is FIFA. It is FIFA, not UEFA. Sorry. No, it's yeah, yeah FIFA, not UEFA. It's FIFA. Okay. But it so, uh, Bernard, in, in other news. Um, um, James McAtee scored a great goal for the under twenty threes, and um, I'm reading a lot of reports about mid-table premiership uh, teams sniffing around James McAtee. So the question is, uh, with all that you've heard about him, um, and I think he has, to be fair, been fluttering his eyelashes at a few of these teams, uh, is there any danger of him being another Jaden Sancho situation? Yeah, I think we we talked about this before, haven't we? It certainly could be with McAtee, because he is one of these that isn't going to any time soon be a, a sort of uh, even on the bench on a regular basis and getting on the pitch for like five or ten minutes because that's not that's not how Pepper's doing things at the moment. Very very few substitutes get on the bench and get off the bench these days when he has uh, all these young lads on the bench. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me because uh, he's not died in the Bull City. Uh, he's been here long enough, but he st- certainly can be tempted away. Uh, and yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. But so I think City will take certain steps, but. Uh, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do, isn't there, if a player, if a player wants to eventually go. But uh, McAtee's borderline, I think, isn't he, guys? I think he's, uh, he, he could be he could be uh, 50-50 for me, whether he'll uh, stay at City and uh, progress and, and become a, a regular, as in, obviously, Palmer's ahead of him now, isn't he, in the, in the pecking order as far as getting on, on that first team. So, yeah, it might not be quick enough for him, and I, I think he could have his head turned. Well, the thing is, if he was a City fan, he'd stick around. Like Palmer, yeah. like Fordham. and I think that's a, that's the key here. He's not a City fan, um, and I don't think we, you know, the number of goals he scored and, and the quality of goals he scored last season and this season. Um, I saw him play last night on the uh, against Chelsea in Premier League Two, uh, City uh, top of the that league, winning one nil in a really tough game. Got a big, big shout out to Kieran Slicker because he was incredible in net. Um, you know, he, he had a double man of the match performance. He was he was unbelievable. Um, but um, the only goal scored by McAtee, um, he's scoring too many goals. He's scoring too many goals uh, with quality to 
not be playing in the first team somewhere. And I think that's what's going to, you know, you, you look around and it's one of those, you know, Sancho left for first team football. Other people have left for first team football. And I think there's a real risk that McAtee will, because Pep's not giving them a chance. He, you know, mm-hmm. I, I accept you win, you win, you join 1-1 with Southampton, he's not going to get a chance. You're winning 1-0 against um, Chelsea, you're not going to get a chance. But in some of these games where you're, you're three or four nil up, you know, you got, and the kids are on the bench, you've got to throw them in for at least a couple of minutes at the end of a game. Give them that feeling um, more often than not. You know, I hope some of the kids get a chance against Fulham in the FA Cup, um, but from the bench, as a Fulham are a, a, a tough opposition. But you've got to give these kids a, a chance. You know, the, the, you don't want a situation like Sancho where. Yes, he, he would have struggled to make it at City. I accept that. But the kid's now been sold on for like 70 odd million quid. And you you don't want that to happen again and again and again. Um, fortunately, it's not happened too much. But someone like even Brahim Diaz, we sold him on. He'd struggled at Real Madrid, which we knew he would do. He's gone off to AC Milan and he's, do, he's doing really well there. And I, I think that's that's my con- it's always been my concern that we, we let someone go or someone forces the way out and then <laughs> the world beater. Maybe that's because of the way we, we we run that side of the business. Let's let's call it what it is. That you got to take the uh, you know the rough with the smooth, the ups and the downs and the swings and the roundabouts and whatever else you want to say. You, know, you you got to accept that there's a risk that that might happen. Well, let's change the subject a little bit as we wind this pod uh, down. Uh, Colin Savage, our friend Nigel Rothband, was uh, um, making the point that uh, he had picked up on something in uh, Pep's uh, interview leading him to think that Pep might sign a new contract. And this led to a Twitter poll, which asked the intriguing question, would you take A, a new contract for Pep, or B, the signing of Erling Haaland? And um, the results of that poll were were fairly emphatic, and I think you could probably guess what they were. But um, what do you think about all of that? And Is there there anything in that, do you think? Well, let's uh, let's see what he says. Um, So so what, what Pep actually said... Um, he gave a long. He, he was asked basically um, what, what will happen with his contract, which is obviously up uh, summer 2023, so next year in 18 months. Um, so he, he gave a, a, a typical pet long rambling round the houses could mean anything type um, answer uh, about how he never thinks more than 24 hours ahead, which um, sort of something like that. Anyway. Um, he then said, my decision, will be, uh, which about when to leave City, will be taken with the club. They gave me everything so I cannot betray them or do anything wrong to them. That would not be nice. Together, we took decisions for me to come here and to extend the contract two times, and it will be the same in future. It depends how they feel about me, how I feel myself in the club. Um, so w- w- what he seems to be hinting is that as long as he wants, as long as he feels he's uh, he's energized um and as long as the club wants him which is i'm sure um is quite a long time he will stay so um you know we may see something this summer uh, hopefully but, but but i think we know pep he's very much um he throws himself into it 100% I, i'm sure all managers do but pep seems to be expend that much more mental emotional physical energy on his job than than, than um the, the most so um Carl, does, I guess does it depends it, how he feels well, in the summer. We live abroad, Carl. What's the situation with his family? What 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 uh, 
does his one of his kids live over here and the other lives with his with his mum over in Spain or what what's his wife. I think that the oldest one is in back in Spain with his wife. Uh, yeah. the other two are completing their education here, aren't they? Well, that, you can't you can't continue with that though, can you? I mean, uh, it's, uh, yeah, like extend for another two years of not being with your wife. I mean, what, what's that about? I don't I don't understand any any logic in it. I don't know really. But you can get from Barcelona to, to Manchester for seven quid on EasyJet. Come on now, They were born in Manchester. I thought it was his youngest daughter that's in Spain with his wife oh, maybe and his other kids are, are old enough to 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 be basically to go out on their own and. You know, to to have friend uh, and do stuff around Manchester, and I and I just think that his his wife and daughter, you know, they didn't have, they didn't feel comfortable or weren't quite happy, you know, socialising and stuff. So that's why they have gone back. Look, people do it. You know, I I do it. You know, my wife has been away for a couple of weeks in France. But we do it. You know, and uh, people come back and forth. So you know, I don't think it's a big issue. Um, you know, some people want to be with the with the spouse all the time, and others actually, you know, people say time apart is actually good because I bet you when she's here, she doesn't see much of him anyway. With all the football <laughs> stuff that's going on, you know, no, I'm sure she doesn't. I mean, you know, he's, he's either working, watching games, you know, at the ground. You go to away games and you're coming home at two or three o'clock in the morning. So she probably doesn't want to see him at three o'clock in the morning or whatever, you know, flying back. From so so what, what you're saying is that you and Pep have a lot in common then? Are we both ball? That's it. Do you think she asked him, uh, you love City more than me, Pep? And he said, I love United more than you, mate. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> I'm sure she didn't say that, but you can imagine the scene in the Guardiola household when they were together. Uh, oh, you know, Coronation Street's on Pep. Oh, I can't love her. I've got to watch Watford versus Brentford because we're playing them in three weeks' time. And uh. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a slight suspic- suspicion that Pep is not maybe the best person to be around um in a, in a, in a in a football season, but uh, let's pick up on the uh, the lack of um, confidence from Mister Deneen and let, let's do the poll. Um, okay, uh, Bernard, we'll start off with you. Would you take another three years of Pep, or would you take a six-year contract for Erling Haaland? That's your choice. Oh well, I think I think with this uh, young lad coming in, we've accepted we're not getting Haaland. I never for one moment thought we were going to get Haaland. So. Uh, yeah, I'll take Pep, mate, because uh, I still don't believe it, and uh, I'd be I'd pinch myself if it happened. But I still don't think it will happen because there's too many, too many, uh, too many problems with it. So yeah, it's not it's not really a question for me because uh, Pep can stay because we're not getting Ireland anyway. Okay, Ray, over to you. Who do you choose? Pep. 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 Yep. Pep. Pep. No, no, Pep. no, no hesitation there. No hesitation. When Pep goes, uh, you you saw what happened at United. You saw what happened at Arsenal. Uh, I mean, they were already going downhill anyway, and City aren't. I think when Pep goes, we'll have a stutter. I, obviously, the the powers that be of, uh, are already planning, uh, and I don't think because you know we are a professionally well-run club. I don't think we'll have a it will be as bad an impact as it was at United and mm-hmm. Arsenal, who are unprofessional shambles of organisations. They're just money-making machines. They're not sporting. They're not looking at sporting prowess. They're looking at keeping the the, the dollars uh, coming in mm-hmm. with their American owners. Um, so uh, Pep, three more years of Pep all day long because the I've, and I said this before he renewed the first time. The longer he stays, 
the more ingrained the change in our DNA becomes. You see, or you know, even the women's team try and play the ball out from the back. The kids' teams do the same. Uh, we try and go with that possession uh, base football. And I just think that will be more and more ingrained in our players, uh, the kids coming through, and it'll be easier for the next manager to come in and uh, ha- have a similar impact. Uh, the same way, for argument's sake, that Pellegrini came in and took Mancini's players and got a, a, won the league in the Carabao Cup the following season. And then we saw what he was really like when, when he flopped pretty much the next three seasons. Uh, I don't want people to say I'm being arrogant, saying, uh, you know, winning the, the League Cup is, is, is termed a flop. But compared to where we should have been, it was a bit disappointing that that was his some return <laughs> two seasons was one League Cup. So keep Pep as long as possible, not, not just, you know, for that DNA and all that. But come on, he attracts play, uh, kids and players they want to play for pep you know i'm i'm sure a quick phone call from pep is all that it takes to get signatures over the line um i think he did it with gabriel jesus when a lot of clubs wanted him people were saying he's going to go to uh, spain he ends up at city so i think this is this is what what goes on people want to play for pep we will get some of the best players when they got a choice you know, of going to maybe PSG or Bayern Munich or Man City, you know, they'll come to Man City, not for the weather, not for the culture, but for Pep Guardiola. Colin Savage, do you concur? Yeah, I mean, he's so important to us, isn't he? I mean, you know, you can always find a a striker, but uh, you'll never find another Pep. And uh, really, uh, the longer we stay, the more opportunity we have to find the right replacement. And and as I think Ray said, uh, I can't, I can't see that we'll make the same mistake that, that United made um, in, in, in over 25 years of Ferguson. They never came close to finding a, a successor, suitable successor, because he controlled everything at the club. And you can't imagine that he, he was ever prepared to sit, take a start taking a back seat and hand over to someone who could take over from him. He uh, was probably unique in that respect. But I think we built a system whereby potentially, I mean, there will never be another pet. Um but potentially, you know, we could have a manager who could learn to carry on the system. Uh, you know, we talked about Arteta potentially doing a good job at Arsenal. Uh, they could could potentially get top four against all the uh, predictions. But um, Stevens Gerrard yeah. in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, but Pepe's the longer he stays, the the long, you know, the, the better chance we have of finding the right man for the job. Well, guys, let's stay with um, with Colin Savage as we finish up the pod. In uh, what has become uh, a common little feature, which is affectionately known as Colin's State of the Union. So, guys, if you could get on your 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 computer, bring up the uh, the league table uh, on uh, on BBC, and and perhaps uh, Colin, you could lead us in a few observations uh, uh, um, about where we stand. Uh, Stop. That's it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, um, this is normally where we talk about um, other teams as as well as City. Just to finish off, they've got a fortnight off before any uh, any action. So it's probably a good time just to take a look at um, where everyone stands. Uh, who's been impressive? Who's been a disappointment? Is there a dark horse somewhere in there? What do you think? So Colin will lead us off. Then everyone will jump in. Yeah. Uh, just bear. Oh, just bear with me one moment. Well, like it's a bit slow coming up. 
but um yeah so obviously we're we're on top of the pile and uh as we said before that um you know it, it, it's looking good for us i, I guess so um we're, we're say we're that's not right is it nine points ahead yeah sorry nine points ahead we're on <laughs> nine points ahead of liverpool liverpool got a game in hand so we talked about that before chelsea still not uh obviously they had a decent result against spurs which was the first win for a while um but they, they played two games more than liverpool got a uh they uh, and a point behind them so they're 10 points behind us having played a game more and then surprisingly uh in fourth place crept into fourth place is our, our friends from uh, the Borough of Trafford, um, mainly because I, I guess that uh, both West Ham and Arsenal uh, have dropped points in the last two games, and they've won. Uh, West Ham have lost the last two games. Arsenal uh, lost and amazingly drew to Burnley, who everyone suddenly remembered is still in the Premier League because no one's seen him for ages. And I did have <laughs> my I did have my doubts that um, the new American owners had sold all the players. Um, sold Turf more to a, a um, property developer and, and harvested Sean Dyche's organs and buggered off to a tax haven. But uh, no, it's still there, Burnley, apparently, uh, and they got a good point against Arsenal. So um, it, it's all to play for, really, for that for that top four spot. Spurs are still in there, despite having lost to Chelsea. Um, so, so if we go with that, like, you know, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, probably going to be top three. Uh, so United on 22 with 38 points. West Ham, 23 games, 37 points. So still in it if they pick up a bit of form. Arsenal, interesting. They're on 21 on 36. So if they win their game in hand over United, uh, they would go above them. Tottenham have got two games in hand over United and on the same number of points. So they only have to win one of those two games in hand. But Spurs being Spurs, you can pretty well guarantee they won't. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, uh, Wolves and uh, Wolves are the next one. Uh, and then it's four-point gap to to Brighton. Uh, Leicester surprisingly still in mid-table. Villa, despite it, Gerard getting all the plaudits, um, good win uh, at Everton. Um, although well, who doesn't win at Everton these days? Um, mid-table, Southampton with 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 the point. They crept up to twelfth. Um, it's down at the bottom where it gets interesting because um, Norwich have won two games on the trot now. So they climbed out the bottom three. Um, they played a game more than Newcastle and have a point more. So again, it's all down to, you know, can Eddie Howe pull Newcastle out of the bottom three? It's, it's nip and tuck down there. And of course, Watford, we, we, we talked about Watford. Uh, we didn't, uh, we, we're going to talk about Watford. Have sacked Claudio uh, Ranieri after, what, 13 games or something, which, uh, and appointed bizarrely Roy Hodgson, um, I, I, I think Roy will do well for them. I think Roy will do pretty well. well yeah, he's well, he's well organised, isn't he? Well, um, uh, as I pointed out on Twitter, it may only be January, but there's only four Watford managers to Christmas now. So, um, <laughs> so it's interesting. Everton are going to get pulled in there, aren't they? Everton, yeah. So, so Burnley are at the bottom, but they've only played 18 games. Win a couple of those games in hand, then uh, they, they, they should pull clear, but they're not. Doing um, above those four who look the most, in theory, look the most uh, likely to be to be the bottom three. Everton have, have descended into a complete uh, crisis. So, so they they played twenty games. So they've got a couple of games on Norwich, but only three points ahead. But when you're down there, you don't win your games in hand, do you? That's the whole reason you're down there in the first place. So, if if they were to um, 
you know, drop another couple of games, they're right in the uh, they're right in the mile. Uh, Leeds mm, probably just Leeds and Brentford probably just about done enough to be safe, I think. So it's certainly uh, three from three from five to go down, I think. Mm-hmm. And and Everton, they say, if they carry on there, yeah, and we've seen it before, haven't we? Where, where where teams get into there's always seems to be one team that you think is going to be safe. Then they just go into a run of games that they lose, draw, drop points, and uh, we know how desperate it gets at the bottom. Yeah, you know, the, it, it's always interesting that you know you get to halfway in the season, you think teams are going to get twenty points, but the teams at the bottom suddenly find um, kind of whether it's, you know desperation or, or or what that they start picking up points, and Everton could be you know if, if, if Everton, Everton, up Everton guys the next five games they've got Newcastle away next in the league. You've got Leeds at home, you've got Southampton away, they've got us at home, and they've got Tottenham away. So, I mean, how many points are you seeing in those next five games? We're lucky to get two or three. I would say, yeah, we'd say that. And it's yeah, it's teams who are uh, fighting them for that place. So, yeah, in by by the end of February, they could find themselves in a lot of trouble. Uh, and of course, they still sack Benitez, uh, Big Dunks, the, the caretaker manager. But uh, they've got bigger problems than the manager. Um, talking to an Everton fan about this, and um, uh, Mashiri seems to have been led by uh, led by the nose by Kia Jurabchian. You know, we spent money unwisely. Uh, it's a little bit reminiscent of Tony Fernandez at QPR, who you know uh, w- was kind of tempted into spending money by agents that that he really shouldn't have spent. Um, Bill Kenwright's still hanging around. There's still a, a coterie of ex-players. Um, I was looking at the Everton board. Uh, there's, there's four directors on the board. There's the chief executive, uh, Denise Barrett-Baxendale, um, she came from the education sector. So, no, never worked in football, education charity sector. So, uh, you know, she might be a very competent administrator, but she's not a football person. Um, <coughs> right, who, who uh, I think has got some sort of messiah complex. It, it, he's almost become the new Peter Swales. You know, he, he thinks that he's indispensable to the club, when really uh, he, he apparently still exercises quite a bit of power over appointments. Um, there's the, the finance director. I'm, I've no idea, um, you know, his competence. But, uh, uh, and then there's uh, Graham Sharp. And, and what he brings to the boardroom table, I, I'm not entirely sure. So, um, you know, they're a bit like a budget version of United, uh, aren't they? They've got all sorts of problems from the top, very from the very top, to the, um, you know, down to the, well, manager and some, again, some of the players they bought. Again, there's no coherence in the buying. So, yeah, it, it will be an interesting one, that one. It would be so, it would be so interesting, wouldn't it, uh, when we play them, if we get to see the spectacle of Jack Grealish waiting in the tunnel for Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> the, thing, the thing about Everton is, Mike, the thing about Everton is, it, it, this really shows fans that have a go at City and say, oh, Pep's a checkbook manager, you know, he's bought all the success and all this. Everton have spent an absolute shed load of money, an absolute shed load of money, and they just haven't got it right. You know, the, as Colin said, the mistakes they've made. I mean, who spends 35 million quid on a Warby? That's just crazy. And 50 million quid on Sigurdsson and other players. Who gets Marco Silva? You know, I said this before. 
Everton needed to get a good manager, like when City got Roberto Mancini. You know, City had had Mark Hughes, and that wasn't really, really very good, but he was there when we got taken over. They got a good manager. They got some cracking players early doors. Now, I've said this before. They got Yaya Turi, David Silva, uh, Kolarov, and uh, Aguero, Nazri, you know, and, and, a, and a few other decent players. Even the ones that moved on, Jerome Boateng and um, Stefan Savic, they were good players, but they just didn't hit it off at City. And that's what Everton should have been doing, building slowly. But they just wasted money. And it is, and, and Colin's spot on. You know, people have got in their ears, like uh, QPR with Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez was an incredible businessman over in Malaysia. How he got conned, um, you know, into making such <laughs> a fool of himself at QPR, I don't know. But, you know, I'll be honest, I've been there where you, you've been a success. Uh, in a couple of businesses and you start something, you think, yeah, this will be easy. And it's something totally new and you, you get your, your fingers burned. It, it is possible, but you know, the, the mistakes that Everton are making, it's their own downfall. It's their own, you know, own bad show. And uh, yeah, you know, unless Duncan gets things turning around very quickly, if they don't get points against Newcastle and Southampton, I think, you know, the, if Newcastle beat them, I can see Everton in, in the bottom three, uh, by the end of uh, February. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, if there's, if are, are there any other comments about that from either um, Ray or Bernard? Because I think Colin did a fairly comprehensive job there. Um, I was worried about Everton. Well, not worried about them, but we just think Everton are the, are the sort of uh, interesting one amongst those uh, bottom five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, Bernard, perhaps you could tell. Um, Everybody, what they've got to look forward to after the break is over. What happens next for Man City? Well, uh, I don't. I think they only scored three goals, didn't they? Fulham in the last game, guys. I think they only won. They only won three two at weekend. So after after scoring six six and seven, uh, obviously they dried up a bit. So by the time we play them, uh, uh, and I'm not had confirmation that my money's gone out for my ticket yet, but I assume it will be going out. I've not had anything yet, but. Uh, yeah, we've got Fulham in the FA Cup and uh, very quickly after that, we've got uh, Brentford again, haven't we? I mean, we only played them. Uh, apparently, we play at the Brentford Stadium as well, guys, according to uh, the Southampton programme. Uh, I don't even notice, Colin. Uh, I put a thing on Twitter. Uh, they had uh, the Brentford Stadium as our stadium on our, our uh, Meet the <laughs> Opponent page. So, there you go. We play at the Brentford Stadium. That was interesting. But, uh, yeah, so interesting. Yeah, we should. Fulham will be a good game because they're playing very, very well. Uh, and then uh, we can chance to get back on the winning, uh, start another winning streak in the Premier League with, of course, uh, Brentford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, we could do with a few more FA Cups because I think we've done the League Cup, the Carabao Cup. I think we've done that, you know. Um, and so um, it would be nice to have another uh, FA Cup um, in the bag. What What do you think, uh, Ray? Absolutely. Go back to what is affectionately known as Eti- the Etihad South. I mean, we had some... Clowns at Liverpool. According to Jimmy Dalglish, that should be Anfield South. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of rubbish. I mean, that was unbelievable. Said, they've won like two two trophies in ten years, and um, well, the thing uh, is, uh, since Klopp's been South, there, since Klopp's been at Liverpool, they've been to Wembley to play in a cup competition, not against Spurs, three times, three times, and two of them were in the Community Shield since Klopp's been um, here. City in that same. I'm going to quickly guess. We've been four times for the League Cup under Pep, and we went once under Pelle uh, before that under 
Pellegrini. So I think we've been four or five times to, for the uh, League Cup. We've obviously won the FA Cup once and we were in the semi-final uh, that year. We were knocked out by Arsenal in the semi-final another time. That's three. I think we've been in the in the Community Shield two or three. We've been about ten times. So, you know, this is the problem with Liverpool. They go on about history. They're a history club. You know, most of their success was, you know, uh, before a lot of their fans were even born. Most of the success. I mean, a club that never won the uh, League Cup till 1980. You know, a club that never won the FA Cup until 1965. Of course, City won the League Cup in 19. 19- uh, 70 on the FA Cup in 1903 or 4. Bernard, you were there? Or 1904. So, you know, Liverpool are a pure history club. Anfield South, get lost. It's, it's the Etihad side. In, in, you know, in recent times, in the last 10 years, we must have, I mean, I, I, I've, I've had people say they must have been to Wembley about 20 times uh, since 2011. Easily, we must have been 20 times. I know. I think that particular tweet from uh, Mr. Dalgleish through his uh, red-tinted uh, spectacles, uh, that drew an almost universal, cacophonous, you know, burst of laughter. Um, it kind of reminded, reminded me a little bit. I mean, you remember that uh, there, were, there was footage of Vincent Company, um, and he was uh, watching uh, our uh, league title win yeah. uh, when it was... Uh, one out of out of our hands. It was actually, you know, from United uh, lost against West Brom. And there's the there was footage of him, and he's watching with his wife and his kids, and uh, and his wife's dad, who's a United fan. And so as the game is uh, winding down, um, they get into a bit of verbal spat, and his father-in-law points at the United badge and says, "Do you know what this means?" <laughs> And uh, Vinny, uh, quick as a flash, says, "Yeah, it shows that you're you're a historian. <laughs> you're interested in history." Um, but uh, guys, I think that's probably about it. You've had close to eighty minutes of uh, of magic from the bolts from the blue. But it's probably time to wrap it up here. And, Can I just uh, say well, one last thing, guys? Okay. okay. You, you mentioned uh, Georgia Kinkladze. Twenty-four years ago, Georgia Kinkladze scored a goal against West Ham in the FA Cup. Go out, check it out on YouTube. Okay, that's a that's a YouTube uh, reference that you can check out from Ray. Um, so let's uh, bid farewell and uh, express gratitude to um, the various members. So thank you very much, Colin Savage. It's been great. Yeah, always good to talk with you guys. <laughs> good to talk, like BT. All right, um, Bernard. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, it's been a been a been a pleasure. It's a shame that obviously we talked about a draw, isn't it? Very unusual these days, but uh, uh, well, well, onwards and upwards, guys. Onwards and upwards after that. And you've also been listening to Ray from City Fan TV. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure to be on. Is it the most listened to, taught <laughs> completely free Manchester City podcast out there? <laughs> totally free. Absolutely. Completely free. Completely free. How I, how I, how I regret not putting that word in in that tweet. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you very much, guys. Uh, we'll be back with you with uh, maybe a few more little podlets um, during um, the two week break, and uh, we also are uh, thinking of doing a little uh, special uh, series on uh, Joe Royal. So you can look forward uh, to that as well. But I think for now, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it. Thank you very much for uh, listening. 
Uh, guys, you can find us on SoundCloud, on Apple, on Stitcher, or on pretty much any podcatcher that you want, and we hope you find us. So we'll leave it for now and finish off in the normal way by saying have one on us. And, Ray, what's the rest of that little quick? Up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs>